We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome into the Rotowire Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com. DraftKings, of course, is the leader in daily fantasy sports. You can use the promo code ROTOHOOPS and that'll get you free contest entry on DraftKings.com today. All right, it is Thursday, November 5th, the year 2015, as we are now in the second week of the NBA season. I'm usually joined by James Anderson on Thursdays, but today in studio we have DJ Trainer, uh, who hosts with me, of course, on the Tuesday Rotowire NBA Basketball Podcast. But uh, DJ, you're filling in for James Anderson. He's down in Arizona right now with a couple of our other baseball guys covering the Arizona Fall League, so a lot of fun there. But uh, 
I mean, that leaves us with more of an opportunity to break down Wednesday's games. Yeah, very, very small shoes for me to fill. I don't think it's going to be much of a task at all. I will say we should be happy for, um, for James that he can finally go to Arizona and, you know, for the first time actually have an attachment to his Arizona Wildcats, which he just beloves so much for absolutely no reason at all. Absolutely no reason, right. And if you've listened to our podcast and know anything about James, he, he's a, a Madison, Wisconsin native. He went to school at the University of Minnesota, but he's like fiercely loyal to the Arizona Wildcats, even over Minnesota, I think. I, I think he's developed. The, I mean, the Gophers are kind of the, the lovable losers of the Big Ten, and uh, I say that with no bias at all as a Wisconsin guy. Uh, but, yeah, we, we take every opportunity we can to kind of chide James for his irrational love of the Wildcats. Yeah, I was, I was wishing him well on his trip yesterday before he left, and I was kind of letting him know. I was like, finally, you know, you can actually talk about Arizona. We won't rag on you too much because you've been there. And he was like, you know what, man? It's something you feel in your heart. You don't actually have to be there. And so <laughs> um, we're rocking two podcasts in a row where, I, where I'm talking about James for no reason at all necessarily, so we can just get it going. Yeah, let's, uh, let's absolutely get it going. We'll start breaking down Wednesday's games, kind of take a look at some trends. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll frame this from a fantasy perspective, but also uh, just a general NBA perspective as well. So we'll start in Indiana, where the Pacers got their second win of the season. The Celtics all of a sudden, uh, kind of a team that people thought would maybe surprise some people in the East. They're 1-3. Indiana, 100. Celtics, 98. Uh, the big thing for me, I guess, looking at this uh, from fantasy perspective, is that the Celtics made some changes to their starting lineup. Amir Johnson started. Jared Sullinger started. Neither of those guys really made much of an impact at all. Sullinger, 9 points, 11 rebounds in 27 minutes, which is 3 of 10 shooting. Uh, and Amir Johnson, just 2 points and 4 rebounds. And that was going up against a really, really bad Pacers front court. So I thought that was a little bit of an odd move by Brad Stevens. Um, you know, this early in the season to shake things up. But I guess if you're going to do it, maybe Indiana's the team to do it against. Well, here's the thing. This is going to happen continually throughout the season. This should not take anyone by surprise. You're not going to be locked in with, with David Lee and Zeller for the whole season long. Brad Stevens wants to see what he has in his front court. He's going to rotate them. And what that means on the whole is that everybody is going to suffer. Everybody's fantasy value is going to suffer. Um, you'd almost just want to say, you know what, just pick two guys, pick three guys and leave two out in terms of fantasy. We just want to know what we have here. We don't want to be watching the wire every single night to see who's going to start. Even then, you're going to see, you, you know, you're going to see uh, games where the guys off the bench will end up averaging more points or more minutes on the court than the starters. And so it's really a fluid situation. I am just going to completely stay away. I, unless you're already invested in it because you drafted some of these guys, uh, just just stay away. Don't bite on the waiver wire. Things will continually change. Another change in the lineup, Marcus Smart was out. Isaiah Thomas moved into the lineup. I love Isaiah Thomas, but he's a guy that just he hasn't gotten much love across the league. Like He's a journeyman, but whenever he sees minutes on the court like he did last night, he saw 36 minutes, put up 27 points, 7 assists, a 9-19 shooting, 4-7 um, from the three, five of five from the charity stripe. This guy is really good at fantasy when he sees the minutes, but unfortunately, he's almost always in a reserve role. Right, and you know he is in a reserve role, but he also seems to be really productive in that role. And obviously, you'd like for him to play thirty six, thirty seven minutes as he did on Wednesday if you own him in fantasy leagues. But you know that's not always realistic. And you know you talked about you'd like Brad Stevens to pick two or three guys and just go with those guys every night. I think he's he's picked four, and they said that before the season. You know, it's Johnson, it's Sullinger, it's Zeller, and it's Olenek. And you know, you're leaving out guys you know, like Jonas Jarebko. He only he played 16 minutes in this one. Zeller played only three. Um, so you know, I, th- I thought at least they were going to stick maybe more rigidly to that four. 
Um, and it seems like they're kind of mixing things up a little bit. And this Celtics team that played so well together last year, kind of one through ten, you know, they were so deep, and that was part of the reason they were so good. Um, that just hasn't really come quite together just yet. Well, they haven't. He said he was going to stick to four, but he hasn't yet. So if right. we're naming him off, it's Sullinger, it's Johnson, it's Lee, it's Zeller, and Linux. So you got right. five guys there. We initially thought Sullinger would be the odd man out based on everything in preseason. Right. That hasn't happened. I mean, he's well. He, he kind of was until night. he was until last night, right? But okay, I said this before, and um, you can dog me for things I was wrong on them preseason. But I said this, you know, like I'm not so certain that he was the odd man out, and I'm not so certain that there ever was going to be an odd man out. And we're seeing only four games into the season or five games in the season now. That's the case. Like Stevens just can't make up his mind. That's why they have so many viable options in the front court is because. They don't know which one to go with. I mean, he's just going to be doing this all season long. It's really aggravating in terms of daily on DraftKings, in terms of season long, in terms of dynasty. It's not an ideal fantasy situation at all. No, not at all. And, you know, it's probably a situation best avoided. There are some guys to like on this team. And I think Avery Bradley, where he's priced, looking at it, you know, in daily fantasy games, I think he can be really productive. He had 21 points in this one. Obviously, Isaiah Thomas, Marcus Smart, when he's healthy. Um, Excuse me, but that front court is just a bit of a mess right now, so probably best avoided. Looking at the Pacers, they started Lavoy Allen and Jordan Hill uh, uh, up front. Ugh. Jordan Hill, though, 16 and 10. Uh, obviously, they got the win. They had three starters with double digit rebounds. Paul George, 26 and 10, three assists, a couple steals. Allen, just seven points, but did have 11 boards. So I, I think this worked out about as well as it could have. Um, Miles Turner, 18 minutes off the bench. And, you know, they were without Jan Mahimi in this one and without C.J. Miles as well. So a pretty big shorthanded win for Indiana. That's for sure. Uh, I said it before, say it again. Jordan Hill, if he sees 30 minutes a game, he's going to get a double-double. I mean, it's totally within his wheelhouse to get a double-double. Obviously, he's not a guy that would ideally be in your starting five in terms of trying to win NBA basketball games. But in terms of fantasy, again, we're playing a different game here. If he gets a double-double, maybe has a block, maybe has a steal, he's normally going to shoot above 50%. That works in 14-team leagues. And if he... If, you know, let's just say Miles Turner gets hurt and we're seeing Jordan Hill play 35 minutes a game, 36 minutes a game, which... which hopefully won't happen for the Pacers but if it is he's going to be relevant in 14 team leagues he's going to be relevant in daily fantasy so it's someone to keep your eye on even though Miles Turner is is the front court man of the future for Indiana right so um yeah I guess we'll move on from this game and not out not a whole lot else to look at from a fantasy perspective uh game number two uh, another early game was Wizards 102 Spurs 99 and we had this one on in the office as it came on and I think Washington jumped out to a, 17 to 2 or 19 to 4 they were up at one point with six minutes left in the first uh and they end up trailing at the end of the first quarter so uh, a game of pretty dramatic runs at least in the beginning uh went back and forth really for the next three quarters and then have you seen the highlight of brad beal's shot to win it jab step baby he's he's clutch he's coming into his own i like it a lot that was a hell of a jab step but like the defense on that was terrible i mean like that that was a nice jab step don't get me wrong i mean he came john wall came off the screen uh, you know, flipped it to Beal on the wing, and you know, obviously Lamarcus Aldridge, who had switched out onto Beal, thought that Beal was going to drive right, but uh, I think he committed to that a little too hard. I mean, Beal had a wide open look, and I mean, for a guy like him, that's you know, I don't know what else you expect. And obviously, he drained it. There were I think two or three tenths of a second left on the clock, so it wasn't a true buzzer beater, I guess, but you know, as close as you can get. 
I love the reaction of the Spurs bench. They kind of showed it in real time, and they were all stoic except for David West. He was the only one like, oh, man, oh, 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 no. <laughs> Everyone else on the roster knew that Aldridge had messed up, had made a mistake. David West was the only one that was just like still kind of in it. As soon as there, that space was created, the Spurs were just like, we lost. It's over. Yeah, I mean, in that situation, in a tie game, I guess, you know, with a lot of guys, you'll take your chances on a pull-up three. Not Brad Beal. Brad Beal's not one of those guys. He's been awesome so far this season. 25 points, five rebounds, four assists, three steals, just packing the box score, just one turnover, uh, 11 of 22 shooting, three three-pointers. I think it's the headband. He's taking things to a new level. John Wall, 17 points, 13 assists. I believe he had eight or nine assists at halftime, so a little bit of a quieter second half for him, but still a great effort. Overall, Gortat, 10 points. Otto Porter, good game for him, 19 points. Um, not much else really to, to talk about from the Wizards. LaMarcus Aldridge, poor game for him, just 10 points, 4 of 14 shooting, 14 rebounds. You like that, but uh, five turnovers just really didn't look comfortable for most of this game. Said it yesterday with Josh Hayes on the podcast, but I'll, I'll, I'll happily say it again. LaMarcus Aldridge, and we said it on Tuesday's podcast, I believe, as well, um, which didn't turn out. Sorry about that. Technical issues on that. That was both me and Nick's bad on that. Anyways, Lamar- LaMarcus Aldridge took a major hit by going to San Antonio. Yes, he got a double-doubled last night, 10 points, 14 rebounds. But on the whole, he's going to be a lesser fantasy player in San Antonio until the playoffs, maybe in the playoffs when they just need someone just to go out there and shoot if there's a mismatch. But in terms of the regular season, you know what? I stayed away, and I'm going to continually stay away from LaMarcus Aldridge. In fact, as I've done over the last few years, I don't touch Spurs players. They're too unreliable. I don't want them. Right, and I, I think I, I'm not going to go out and say I, I predicted this by any means either, but I was, I was a little bit uh, not as high, I guess, on, on LaMarcus Aldridge as a lot of people were, you know, especially looking at it from a fantasy perspective. I just don't know, you know, I just don't know if he fits right with this team. He's... It never really seemed like that great of a fit. I don't know. I, I, it's only been, what, four or five games for them, so way too early to make any, any long-term conclusions. I mean, we've seen, quote-unquote, super teams like this struggle for months, really, you know, when they're first assembled. So, you know, maybe we should check back in in January or February. But, uh, you know, it, just, it doesn't seem like a perfect fit as of now. And, you know, certainly there are plenty of things that can be ironed out and probably will be ironed out. We should probably learn better than to criticize the Spurs at any point in November. Yeah, we're pretty dumb to do that. They're three and two. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be a be solid right. team. They're going to be totally fine. It is interesting though in terms of Aldridge's fantasy value. It's it's already suffering, and I don't think it's going to get much better as the season goes along. If it does, it'll be very minuscule. I think the one place you look for maybe increased value is later in the season if they start resting Duncan more frequently. Sure, sure. You know, Aldridge starts really playing big minutes. He starts taking on a larger role in the offense. But it's just important to look at how he scored in Portland last year. How much it was so one on one oriented. You know, he was one of the best you know, he takes a lot of tough shots, but he makes as many tough shots as any big man in the league. You know, the step back jumper, the jab step jumper and those shots just really aren't a part of the Spurs' offense, you know? And it's, I think he's, he's going to have to, it's going to take a while for him to find different ways to score within the offense that aren't just one on one ISOs. It'll happen eventually. In terms of me, maybe I'll use him in daily fantasy later on in the season when you said, Nick, when they start resting guys, when, you know, they have everyone off the court except for Aldridge and they're just, you know, Pop is just going to let Aldridge do whatever he wants. Um, then he'll be extremely value, valuable. But again, we have no idea when that's going to happen. It's so hard to pinpoint that. In in terms of season long, especially in roto leagues, uh, it, it's just not uh, not something that I want to be a part of. 
All right, Nets 87, Hawks 101. The Hawks had that, what looked like at the time, an ugly loss to Detroit on opening night, but Detroit looks much better than expected, and the Hawks are now 5-1, and one, so five straight wins for them. They look like they're cruising. The Nets are 0-5. They're 0-5 overall. They're 0-3 on the road, and this sets up a, a pretty epic matchup on Friday between the Nets and the Lakers for just possible, like, out of basement status in the entire league, the worst of the East versus the worst of the West. So I'm, I, for one, am very much looking forward to that game, but we'll talk about Wednesday's game first. This Nets team... Man, they're talking. I think they just had an announcement today about a D League team that they're going to launch for next season. And I mean, I think they have their D League team right here. I mean, outside of Brooke Lopez and Thaddeus Young, this team is a disaster right now. Yeah, you're right on point there. Brooke Lopez, I like him a lot. He got a double double, 27 and 11. And on bad teams, he's going to do good things in terms of fantasy. When there's no options, give it to Brooke Lopez, see what he can do. He, you know, we'll see if he stays healthy for the rest of the season. Um, one bold prediction that I had in the preseason, me and Nick have been pretty good about talking about things we predicted right. I said, if the Brooklyn Nets make the playoffs, they'll win a playoff series. They could win their first round series because it's a team of players that I could see that they could really, you know, really get things going for, you know, a five game series, a seven game series. But that was if they make the playoffs, they're They're, they're now making the playoffs. And so I was way off base that again, let me remind you, that was a bold prediction. So it's really not fun to, to have a lackluster prediction or a lukewarm prediction. Uh, They're terrible. I like Brooke Lopez and nobody else on that team, maybe Thaddeus Young, but he's been really underwhelming for me too, even though he had a double, double last night, a steal and a block, which is really solid. He's pretty undervalued on the whole, but I thought he was going to, you know, kind of jumpstart his career when he went to Brooklyn that hasn't been the case pretty disappointing for me overall Nick you're you're shaking your head in agreement with me right yeah I I mean this Nets team I you look up and look at the bench right now I mean Thomas Robinson Rondé Hollis Jefferson Barnyani or excuse me Barnyarni as, as Gus Johnson pronounced yes. it for about three straight hours on the Bucks telecast <laughs> the other night uh Sergey Karasev Bojan Bogdan I mean like this is like a, a who's who of like guys who should be starring in Europe right now and you know, I like Brooke Lopez as much as you do. He had 27 and 11 in this one, uh, but he's not a franchise center. He's not a guy that you can just you know automatically win you 40 games. And there are very few of those guys in the league at that position. Jarrett Jack, not very good. Joe Johnson, one of 10 tonight. I mean, he's gonna he's getting to the point that we can't expect him to be, you know, 2011 or even you know 2013 Joe Johnson. So this team is really bad in the present. They're going to be really bad for the next few years, and they don't have a first round pick until I think it's 2019. Yeah, it's it's absurd, and it really goes to show you what too much money can can do or, or can go wrong. Because we're talking about the Lakers always have a lot of money willing to go over the cap. Obviously, we saw that with the Nets over the last few years willing to go over the cap, and now you have two of the worst outlooks over the next five years for those two teams. Um, one last thing I'm going to say on this, and we can kind of skip the Hawks because they're just so solid. They don't even tweet out their starting five. They didn't last year, and they probably won't this year because it's just so solid. Um, night in, night out. Um, Joe Johnson, if you have him, find a way to get rid of him. Trade it like even if it is, you know, trade him for a young guy who might start at the end of the season or something like that if you can. He rested the very first in-season practice they had for maintenance, okay? That's going to be a theme. It's going to be a theme, right? And so he also like was seen icing his shooting hand the day after the second game and shook it off and went out there and still played. Things are just not going well for Joe Johnson. It is the twilight of his career. Um, and unfortunately, it's kind of going to end the same way it began with without a playoff berth, basically. 
Yeah, and you know, a couple quick notes on the Hawks. They they actually did switch up the starting lineup tonight just because Kyle Korver was resting on the second half of a back to back. They did get Davos Cephalosha back. He rested on the first half of that back to back on Tuesday night. So those two guys still remain in maintenance programs. Bazemore started at small forward. They went with T and Schroeder in the backcourt together, and that continues to work out. I mean, twenty four and three for Schroeder, sixteen and six fatigue so I think those guys are proving that they can be effective working together obviously this came against the Nets so uh you know take it with a grain of salt but this team I think they're cruising towards sending a first overall pick to Boston the way this is looking yeah that's definitely true in terms of fantasy though they're just what I meant is you're totally right I was dead wrong about uh, the starting five because they're trying to get some guys rested but in terms of when their main guys play you you know what you're going to get out of them there's no surprises they don't really go into ebbs and flows they're just a really solid team across the board in terms of fantasy they're kind of boring like you're going to use them and then just you set it and forget it basically um, with a lot of those guys on that team not a lot changes over the course of the season um, because it didn't last year right a lot of high floors not the highest ceilings necessarily exactly Cavs 96 Knicks 86 Cavs were down big in this one early. They were down close to 20 at points in the first quarter, slowly grinded their way back into this one, finally took the lead in the third quarter, and then kind of put it away in the fourth. LeBron, 23 points, five rebounds, three assists. Excuse me, Mo Williams, 22 points, six boards, uh, four assists for him. Kevin Love, an off-shooting night, just four of 13, but he had a double-double, 11 and 12. Um, and the Cavs just keep rolling. I mean, that opening night loss to Chicago wasn't the greatest by any means, but they're 4-1 and one now, and just kind of grinding out victories like we saw last season. Obviously, they're still dealing with plenty of injuries. No J.R. Smith in this one. Richard Jefferson got the start in the backcourt. So Cavs are very, very thin right now. They don't have a ton of depth, but they're just going to manage, I guess, until January. Porzingis, 13 points, four rebounds for him. Mello, 17-12. and 12. Uh, Langston Galloway, the only double-figure scorer on the bench, he had 12 points. 10 points, 13 rebounds uh, for Tristan Thompson as well. So what do you think about Tristan Thompson as a fantasy guy? Uh, it's, it's rough. If you need rebounds, he's a good guy to get. And I'm assuming he's on the waiver wire. I hope he's on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues. Uh, he really can get a double double and he seems like he's locked into that 20, 24 to 28 minute range in terms of coming off the bench. And so, Hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's a case by case scenario, whether or not you should grab Tristan Thompson. He's basically doing what he has been doing over the course of his career so far where he's a double-double guy, but it's a low double-double guy. So if you're hurting in rebounds, target him. But it's not someone that everyone should be going out and looking for um, because there are nights when he'll just play 12 minutes a game and then you know, you're really left with a dud in your lineup for the night. Right, yeah, that's true. And you know, we won't spend too much time on this game. Cavaliers now uh, play host to the Philadelphia 76ers on Friday, so you definitely like their chances to move to 5-1. and one. Orlando, 114. Houston, 119. This was an overtime game as Orlando continues to play some good teams really closely. They fell in overtime to OKC um, you know, a few nights ago, and now the same result basically to Houston. James Harden still struggling to find a shot, especially from outside, just 2 of 11 from 3, 6 of 22 overall, but doing James Harden things, getting to the free throw line, 14 of 17 there. He finishes 28 points. Ty Lawson, 16 points. Dwight Howard, 23 and 14. All five Houston starters in double figures. The big score uh, for Orlando, if you used him in daily, was Evan Fournier, 29 points, six rebounds, and four assists on the night. Um, you know, I'm, I've been a little bit disappointed, I guess, by, by how this Magic team has been able to finish games, um, or I guess hasn't been able to finish games. But I think that's maybe to be expected with all this youth. They're still among the most exciting teams to watch. 
It might be disappointing, Nick, but at least you're expecting it, or I hope you are. It's you know we got a lot of young guys on this team. Um, there's not any experience anywhere really on the roster. When you're talking about Nikola Vucevic, maybe the most experienced guy, and he's you know what four or five years in at the most right now. And so um, a team right now that is going to have trouble finishing out games strong. They're all, it seems like they're in a lot of the games so far this season. Over the next few years, if they keep this core group of guys together, watch out. They could be dangerous because I do like their composition quite a bit. In terms of fantasy, uh, Tobias Harris, Evan Fournier, Vucevic, Peyton in certain, in certain formats where you need steals and assists, Oladipo, of course. Those five guys, uh, I think they should be owned pretty much across the board. They're going to be fantasy relevant in all types of leagues. Right. Aaron Gordon, nice game off the bench, 19 points and eight rebounds in 32 minutes. Um, you know, probably a guy who's going to have a hard time moving ahead of Tobias Harris to ever be a starter, but certainly a capable six man and maybe that first big off the bench who can play two positions. James Harden, nine of 55 from three this season. Well, again, not all that surprising. Um, but- How, of course that's surprising. How is that not surprising? You're shooting 16%. Well, okay, it's surprising in that. I'm I'm not he really hasn't I know he's a good three point shooter, but what my mind always goes to is the playoffs for OKC when he was a six man and he was terrible, especially from beyond the arc. He couldn't knock down anything to save his life. And so my lasting impression of James Harden is him choking from beyond the arc. And so that's why I said that. However, good players find a way to contribute and he's doing that by getting to the line fourteen to seventeen from the free throw. Uh, free throw line is, you know, that's why you drafted him in the first top five picks because a bad night for him is 28.7 rebounds and four assists. Right. He has, you could argue, the highest floor of any super of any superstar player. And uh, I think that even includes Steph Curry because he, I mean... Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, throw them all right. in there. The highest floor is definitely Harden. Alone, uh, that OKC... Uh, win aside on Monday 37 points in that one he was 4 of 12 from three which isn't great but 12 of 26 overall you know just under 50 percent shooting you'll take that but that outside of that game he's been like an objectively really bad shooter I mean we're like sub sub 30 percent sub two sub 20 percent in the rest of his games uh from three and, and sub 30 percent from from the or from what do you call it overall field goal percentage I guess I don't know what the right word is but either way what I'm saying is he has he gives you the assist numbers. I mean, at least three assists in every game, at least four assists uh, in all but one, and at least five rebounds in every game. So even when he's shooting really badly, he's still going to give you those other counting stats because he ha- he handles the ball so much. And like you said, he's going to get to the line to the point where even if he has an off night, he's going to mitigate it by making nine or ten free throws. So I was wrong coming into the season in that I thought, or at least I'm wrong so far, that Ty Lawson would actually help the field goal percentage of James Harden. Um, in that maybe he'd get more open looks based on what Lawson could do while handling the ball. And then Harden wouldn't, wouldn't always be forced into a situation where there are seven seconds left on the clock and he has to jack something up. Maybe maybe Lawson can drive and kick it out, something like that. So far, I've been completely wrong on that. But just like the Spurs, we've got some new players in here. There's a lot of adjustments to make. They're going to be just fine as the season goes along. Uh, Harden, is, his field goal percentage, his percentage from the floor is going to come up eventually. He's just in a slump, and the slump is happening at the beginning of the season. I mean, this happens. There's 82 games throughout the year. Uh, it happens, and it's just happening right at this onset here for Harden. Nothing to be concerned about. It's still a guy you're always going to start. Don't ever put him on your bench. 76ers, 87. Mira Milwaukee Bucks, 91. Bucks finally turning things around a little bit. Um, you know, I, I actually saw something on Twitter this morning where you know they ran – 
um, based on where every team is at so far through four or five games, however many uh, each team has played, the strength of schedule. And the Bucks have had the easiest schedule thus far uh, based on strength of opponents. So maybe not encouraging that they're only two and three over that stretch, but still two straight wins. Uh, kind of a lethargic performance uh, for them. A big first quarter, they went up eight, fell behind in the second, uh, struggled for most of the third. Giannis had a big coast-to-coast and one layup to put them up at the end of the third. And then from then on, I mean, it was still back and forth. I mean, they were down with two minutes left in this game, ended up winning it in the end. But uh, just kind of a situation where Milwaukee's talent ended up winning out over the likes of, uh, you know, TJ McConnell and Nick Stauskas down the stretch. You would hope so. Uh, Nick, let's talk about one thing that we talked about on Tuesday, and I'm assuming most people didn't even listen to the podcast because it was just my mic basically just turned off. Uh, Giannis is touching the ball so much. It seems like he's incredibly involved in the offense. It's one thing we talked about really surprised us. Obviously, he's a young, budding talent, but I mean, the offense is running through him. He's he's in the action every time down the court. He's putting up um, like superstar numbers. Like he's leading the team. Like it's when you look at box scores, it's wow. This is the leader of the team, not only on the court but in terms of production. Um, is this something that can be sustained as we go? We're only, you know, we're four games in. There's 78 games left, people. Let's not overreact too much. Um, you know, I mean, I think it, it can be sustained. The numbers he's putting up right now, like, are, are not unbelievable by any stretch of the imagination for a guy with his physical tools, you know, in his third season. I, I think if, if he finishes out the season right now, he's at, what, 21 eight rebounds and, and two and a half assists. I think that's pretty reasonable. That's a PER of right around 22. Very good, but by no means great. So, yeah, I don't think that's too much to ask. I think that would maybe be on the upper end of what I would have expected going into this season. And the offense is running through him, but it, at the same time, I don't know if it – it's not like they're letting him – he's really not bringing the ball up that much. They're not Unless he gets a rebound, they're not, they're not forcing it to him. He's playing much of the same game that he did last season. He's just doing it much more efficiently. I would almost argue Greg Monroe has been a bigger focal point. They went to him down low late in this game. He's been really, really good and really effective at just giving them that that down that low post scoring option that they really haven't had since Andrew Bogut. I mean, say what you will about Zaza Pachulia, but you couldn't dump it down to him, you know, with a minute left and expect a bucket. So Monroe's been really big. This was a, an odd game for Milwaukee. You know, they got Jabari Parker back. That was the big focus of this one. He came out, hit a jumper early in the game, got the crowd going, and then <laughs> finished one of six. Uh, he was a, he was a minus eight in in sixteen minutes. I think he he started the second half, came out with about seven minutes left in the third, and didn't return. So he'll be on the limit for a while. Definitely don't want to be deploying him in in season long or daily, really, until that minutes restriction is limited is lifted. If that even, we'll, we'll see. Um, you, know, you, w- you even want to hold off. You don't want to just, after the restriction is gone, you don't want to just put him into the lineup. You need to wait a week. You need to wait five games and see and see how he reacts to that. Um, I didn't even recognize him, Nick. Did you recognize him? He had a huge afro all, like at the beginning of the season. And then like essentially right before the game, he got a haircut. I mean, he's real close. He's yeah, got he, nothing up top. Right. He had the... I'm, I don't know what, who's like a good example of what it even looked like. I, I guess it's a little bit mini version of what OJ Mayo has going on, but yeah, just kind of a uh, a frizzled not not like your not like your Ben Wallace afro. You know, it wasn't quite to that level, but it was it was a nice looking afro, a little bit better version of what Derrick Rose has going on, I guess. But uh, yeah, apparently he got it cut between shoot around and and warm ups for the games. Yeah, he caught a lot of people off guard. Now he's just got the pretty much shaved on the side with the. With the the patch on top, very similar to the Irvin Johnson look, former Bucks center Irvin Johnson. So maybe that was a, a shout out to Irvin. Most likely not. Uh, obviously, the haircut didn't really help too much. He 
he didn't look uncomfortable, I guess. I, I thought at times he was definitely looking for his shot as far as, you know, when he got the ball, it was, you know, I want to make sure I do something with this possession. He wasn't maybe letting the game come to him. And I think that's pretty expected for a guy who's, one, basically a rookie, and two, hasn't played an NBA game in 11 months. So, you know, definitely nothing to take away uh, looking at it from Jabari's perspective, nothing to take away from this bad performance in his first game back. I mean, I don't know what people really expected. Uh, other quick notes on this game, T.J. McConnell got the start at point guard, unseating Isaiah Cannon. He had a nice game, 7 points, 12 assists, 9 rebounds. Um, I don't even know who like who who to compare him to when you watch him. I mean, he's he he does everything he can to not shoot the ball. I mean, the Bucks were leaving him open for most of the game, and he smartly didn't pull the trigger on most of those outside shots. But he he kept the dribble alive really well. He made some nice feeds into both Noel and Okafor for easy baskets, and just a guy who did really well at conducting the offense and never really being out of control. You know what? It doesn't matter, Nick, because we've seen guys come into the Sixers rotation lineup. And, and they'll put up great stats, and then they're gone the next day. Guys that come in on a 10-day contract, they're out the door the next day. It doesn't matter if they get a double-double with assists and points or if they near a triple-double like McConnell did last night. Um, I'm just so aggravated and frustrated with this Sixers team. I'm not even going to take a stab at McConnell. I you know, even if he starts for the next five games and puts up similar numbers, I'm not convinced that things are going to stay the same in Philadelphia beyond guys like Nerlens Noel, Jalil Okafor, and... Um, yeah, that's it. Those two that's guys. That's about it. That's it. I was going to throw Cannon in there, but he didn't start last night. He moved to the bench. And so I've got a couple spots in him. I've got a couple investments in him where, you know, I'm just screwed. You know, he's the Sixers are going to try out everyone on their roster besides their front court guys. And you just need to stay away. You need to play it safe. Don't spend any of your fab money on Sixers guys. It's going to be a bad investment. Right. Uh, we'll go Raptors 103, Thunder 98. Maybe one of the more surprising results. Now the Raptors are 5-0. and uh, Thunder fall to 3-2. and DeMar DeRozan, 28 points, 14 of 15 from the line. Huge game from him. Jonas Valanciunas, 17 points, 11 rebounds. Only played 29 minutes, though. Was in foul trouble with five fouls. Looking at OKC, 27 points for Durant, 10 of 18 shooting. 22 for Westbrook, 8 of 21. He did have 16 assists, though. Uh, to go with his eight turnovers. So a little bit out of control late in this one. I, I caught the end of it on League Pass, and Westbrook was certainly being Westbrook. Yeah, it's fun to watch. It's really fun to watch. Sometimes it doesn't necessarily help the Thunder win games. The 16 assists are a season high for all NBA players so far this year. Obviously, we're just four or five games in, depending on which team you're looking at. Surprising outcome. Uh, did we undervalue these Raptors at all? Uh, in terms of fantasy, it's the same guys as usual. Valanchunas is coming in with like small double doubles, nothing too crazy. Uh, you got DeRozan goes off one night, and then the next night it's Lowry. They kind of switch off often. Luis Scola is not a guy I'm going to be using. Damari Carroll, 13, 13 points, seven rebounds, four steals. And so obviously that steals would put him in an elite category if he can, if he can maintain, you know, two per game. Uh, but again, he's still a specialist. Maybe a guy that's good in roto, but not head to head. But on the whole, did we did we undervalue the cohesion that Carroll would bring to this Raptors team? I think I did. I was a little bit um, skeptical, I guess, that that he wasn't just a kind of a cog in the system in Atlanta. But he, that certainly doesn't seem to be the case. I think there's still problems that need to be worked out with that bench. I think they're really, really shallow, and that's going to come back to hurt them at some point uh, if there's an injury. But you also have to look at who they've played thus far. Indiana, Boston, Milwaukee, Dallas. Those are four 
mediocre teams at best. Well, we have to go off. Obviously, they're mediocre, but if they beat a team like the Thunder, who people are, some people are picking to win, right. win it all. Like we have to go on what we have, and this is a great win, and we have yeah, to. Put that was them a great. That was a great win on the road in Oklahoma City. And you look at their upcoming schedule, and like they have a pretty decent chance to keep this going. I mean, they're at Orlando on Friday. I think you like the Raptors there. At Miami, that's kind of a toss-up, uh, but Miami really hasn't looked that great. Home against the Knicks on Tuesday, at Philadelphia next Wednesday, and then home to New Orleans on Friday before going to Sacramento. Like, I don't know if there's any game in there that you really don't feel good about. They're at Golden State on the 17th, so two Tuesdays from now, and that that's really going to be you know, a huge statement game for them if they can make it out of this next stretch with only one loss. It doesn't matter how you start, it's how you finish. It's cliche, but in the NBA, just look at the Atlanta Hawks last year where they go 17-0 and in January, but then come playoff time later in the year, it you know they just sputtered out. They had injuries, and so it's really cool for the Raptors. Right now they're on pace to win the East. If they won the East, I wouldn't be that surprised, but um, it, it is about the end of the season. Just make it there and then be strong in the playoffs. So they're one of the best teams in the NBA right now. 77 more games to go. All right, other games from Wednesday night. Pull up. I lost my my page here. Um, the Kings and the Suns. The Suns, one eighteen. Sacramento, ninety seven. This Kings team pretty much just falls apart when Boogie Cousins is not in the lineup. Obviously, he missed this game with that strained Achilles. Willie Cauley Stein got the start alongside uh, Rudy Gay in the front court. Kind of an unorthodox lineup. They they went small to counter the Suns, who, who usually play relatively small. Cauley Stein really didn't do much of anything. Just four rebounds in sixteen minutes. Rudy Gay, nine points on four of 13 shooting. James Anderson, a guy who's kind of bounced around. He's a former Oklahoma State guy, a big-time college player. He spent some time in the D League. I think he was with the Spurs. Really bounced around, but he, he was probably the best player for, for most of this game for Sacramento. 15 points for him and 16 points off the bench for Costa Kufas, who probably should have been starting in this game. Uh, that went with seven rebounds and a couple blocks. But like we said, the Sacramento team really, really suffers with no Cousins. Ben McLemore moved to the bench. He played just 14 minutes. I don't remember exactly what the quote was that George Carl had, but it was something along the lines of, uh, yeah, he needs to just go to the bench and, and kind of figure things out. It was a very frustrated George Carl, who I think was disappointed uh, with the you know, with what with the results, I guess, or with the lack of improvement that we've seen from Ben McLemore, who's basically the same player that he was when he came into the league. Yep. Not much development has gone on in Sacramento. Nick, that's going to be on your tombstone. R- rookies and young players go to Sacramento to effectively end their careers. Costa Kufos is a guy that should be starting. Like he's really pretty he's pretty solid in terms of wanting to win NBA games in terms of the the personnel they have on their roster. He should be starting. I mean, it should be Cousins, Kufos, Collison coming off the bench. If he's going to start and only play 16 minutes and bring him off the bench, uh, it doesn't make much sense there to me when Kufos plays 28, 28 minutes. In terms of fantasy, Rudy Gay is still a guy that you need to plug in and play every single night. Rajon Rondo, um, I think that he's going to end up being at least a top, t- top 15 point guard in the league by the end of the year based on assists and steals alone. And then he could even crack the top 10. That is kind of maybe more of an indictment on the point guard situation in the NBA than anything else. Uh, Don't sleep on Rondo, though. He's still out there. Sacramento is a team that doesn't get a lot of love, but Rondo could do some interesting things there over the course of the year. All right, looking at the Suns, uh, 19 points from Eric Bledsoe, eight assists, six rebounds, four steals. Like This is the vintage reason why you love Eric Bledsoe is games like this where – 
Yeah, he's not a guy that's going to score 20 points every single night, but he's going to get those assist numbers, those rebound numbers, those steal numbers, and he had a block as well. He's one of the rare point guards who can actually be reliable in the blocks category. 17 points for Brandon Knight, 7 of 16 shooting, 8 assists for him. So those two combine for 36 points and 15 assists. I think that's exactly what they're looking for in that combination. All right, let's move to Portland and Utah real quickly. Portland 108, Utah 92. This Portland team looks a little bit better than I think people were expecting. They're 3-2 and two all of a sudden. The Jazz kind of been sputtering. They're sitting at 2-2. Two and two. Lillard and McCollum, all of a sudden, maybe one of the most exciting backcourt tandems in the league. 35 for Lillard on 27 shots and 27 points on 10 of 13 shooting for C.J. McCollum. He had four assists as well. Mason Plumlee had a double-double, 12-16. and 16. Al Farouk Aminu, 13-8. and eight. This Blazers team is fun, if nothing else. I mean, they, they, they go up and down. Those, those two backcourt guys just tuck, chuck a bunch of shots, and they don't have really anyone else on the roster that is really looking for volume offensively. So I think it's, the team is kind of okay with that, you know? So last night I was telling you that so far this season, I'm, I'm not going to get these numbers correct, but Lillard and McCollum had combined before last night's game for 199 of their 404 shot attempts or something. So basically 50%. Looking specifically at last night's game, they had uh, 40 of the 77 shot attempts. I mean, we're looking at like a Westbrook-Durant combo in terms of volume. Love them both. Love Lillard. Love McCollum. Plumlee, Aminu, and Leonard are kind of sneaking in there a little bit. Leonard, not so much um, in terms of fantasy potential for Aminu and Plumlee. Uh, Leonard should come around because he's an interesting guy who can shoot beyond the arc. They are fun, but on the whole, if you have Lillard, if you have McCollum, McCollum is a guy that could – win people fantasy leagues this year depending on where you got him you should have got him pretty late and uh I mean, he's he's jacking up a lot of shots 10 of 13 let's go i mean he's exactly the type of player that's going to be in a lot of winning season-long leagues this year looking at rudy gobert just eight points did have nine rebounds and four blocks uh but two turnovers kind of mitigating his his value in fantasy are you a little bit disappointed with what you've seen from him though thus far no right on track nick i've call it, i've covered the jazz for the last couple of years here at rotowire specifically um blocks he's gonna go out there and get four a game that's what you expect him to do but he never really was great on the offensive end of the ball rebounds you expect him to do a little bit more um he should be a double double guy but in terms of points pretty pretty low uh, and so I'm not overly surprised at his slow start. He got overdrafted probably in basically every single league. I don't think he made it out of the, you know, the second round pretty much anywhere. A lot of people are really uh, having tra- you know, pickup remorse or, or buyer's remorse, however you want to say it. He'll come around. He's going he's gonna to flash a couple games where, where he gets closer to maybe um, you know, some numbers where it's like 20 and 20 or something like that. But as for now, uh, I think he's a low double-double guy who gets three or four blocks a game. All right, let's finish out with the premier game of the night. This was a national TV game on ESPN. Warriors 112, Clippers 108. Did you get a chance to watch this one? I did. I watched the whole thing. Yep, same here. And this was an awesome game. It, it, looked, at, it looked at one point that the Clippers had them. You know, I think they were up eight or nine uh, in the fourth quarter, and things very quickly went the other direction. Um, you know, Chris Paul... Missed a big three-pointer, a pull-up three-pointer. Very, I thought what I thought was an objectively bad shot that he that he launched. I, I think he had a I think he had a bigger he had a bigger a bigger defense. Might have been Draymond Green that switched out on him, um, and that was kind of the defining shot I think of this game. And you know that's that's been the narrative around Chris Paul, fair or not. 
uh, you know, kind of failing to come up in situations like that. But I mean, this is getting to the point. I just want to talk about Steph Curry. Like this is getting to the point where I was watching this game and just like I've never seen anything like this. Like I, I mean, I'm the biggest LeBron supporter that there maybe has ever been uh, in the in the Wisconsin area <laughs> at least. Witness. And like I mean, this is stuff that like how do you defend this guy? I you you can't seven of eleven from three thirty one points and like you that you could probably make a strong case that this was his worst game of the season. Before talking about fantasy, I want to talk about what Steph Curry has done for my own basketball game. He's ruined it because I watch him do all this stuff, just kind of like throw up shots. He just like it looks like he's just tossing it up there willy nilly, and then it's swish swish swish. Um, so I'm playing rec league with uh, some of the guys from the office last night. I get this three, and then for some reason in my mind, I'm just like, Steph Curry. And just kind of just like jack it up there, like terrible form. I don't know. Like he is, he's transforming a nation for the worse in terms of basketball fundamental because the things he's doing aren't right. They're just yeah, not I right. Don't, well, I've, I've thought about that too. Thinking about like, you know, when you were a little kid, like who did you model your game after? You know, when you're in the gym, like trying to replicate – things that got you know I was always a big T-Mac guy so I remember like through middle school I like really made sure I like, kicked my leg out when I shot jumpers <laughs> because you know T-Mac did it and it worked for T-Mac did not work for me believe it or not uh, but like I think you know when kids growing up you know like we had a hoop in my driveway we would lower the hoop and have dunk contests and try to be LeBron or Carmelo or whoever it was like if if you're like a kid growing up like Steph Curry is the man right now like you want to do you want to be a three point shooter like is that is that what's going to be the next cool thing is like just to become a knockdown three pointer is that is that cooler to you than like being a big time dunker hey go to any YMCA in the nation and when people are warming up everyone's taking three pointers yep. they're not working on their you know their block game they're not taking elbow jumpers the big guys, the small guys, they're all warming up by taking threes. And so it is the next generation of the game, and Steph Curry is at the forefront of that change. And we've seen guys dominate like Curry has. You know, Peak LeBron has done it. You know, Peak Dwayne Wade probably did it. Durant, the list goes on. But what makes Curry so different is that he does it from three-point range. So, like, he's hitting these dagger shots, and not only are they, like, you know, ridiculous clutch shots, they're three-point. They count for a point more than, than you know, LeBron, LeBron can go Wait, to the whoa, rim. They count they for do. a point That's more? How, they do. That's how three-pointers work. I, I don't want to spoil anything for everybody, but three-pointers are worth one more point than two-pointers. But you know what I'm saying is like you know, LeBron dominates um, you know, late in games by getting to the rim, finishing at the rim. Curry just it gives you more value just because what he can do from outside. And I don't, I'm talking myself in circles because I just don't understand how it's it fun. works. Like That deep three that he hit off the screen over DeAndre Jordan, like three or four feet behind the line last night, and you know they they pan to the Clippers bench, and I think it's Josh Smith is motioning like, "Get up there, get up there!" Like you can't get up there; it's twenty seven <laughs> feet away from the basket. Like there's nothing you can do. You'll, I will take my chances. I don't care who it is. Like he's so well rounded at everything right now; he's unstoppable. It is so much fun to watch him. You know, you don't even really need to discuss him in terms of fantasy because he's a guy. He's a plug and play. You just you get what you get, and it's going to be amazing. We're just two guys, just two fanboys, just loving where the state of the NBA is in terms of guys like Steph Curry doing some stuff. You know, Al Jefferson is a really good NBA player, right? I know I'm coming like, way what? out of left field in terms of <laughs> fundamentals. Really and, changing gears yeah, here. Yeah. Right. Well, let's just be, like, but he plays down low. If you're trying to model your game after a post game, you know, you look at Al Jefferson. But sure. He's just like, all right, maybe too far left field. <laughs> Um, but in terms of getting excited and having like good things happening for the league, yeah, it's just not a great, not a great left field change. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see where this is going. Like, I had no idea that we were going to get to Al Jefferson. <laughs> uh, my point is Al Jefferson, 
Al Jefferson is a good NBA player, but he's not exciting. Steph Curry is a great NBA player, and he makes people who don't care about the NBA excited to watch the NBA. That's what I was trying to say. I will refrain I from unnecessary to, Al Jefferson references. You didn't need again. to drag Al through the mud here. I, I would. I think he's as exciting as any. I think Al Jefferson is more exciting than Steph Curry. Yeah, I don't okay. know what you're watching, All but right. okay. here's a question. So Steph Curry right now is averaging 36 points per game, 5.8 assists, 5 rebounds. So the, the, the assists are actually down. Last season he was at over 7.5, season before that 8.5, whatever. It's only been five games. Is there a better chance that Curry averages – Better than 33 points per game for the season or a better chance that the, that the Golden State Warriors win 70 games? I, there's going to be a lot of silence here. Um, I think the Warriors, there's a better chance the Warriors will be, win more than 70 games because as a team, that's kind of the only goal they have left right now. They, I mean, they have the championship. They know what it takes to get there. And so I would say they're really going to be kind of hell-bent on you know, beating the all-time record. What was it, 73 by the Bulls? 72 and 10. 72 and 10. And so I think that's what, that's kind of their last benchmark, and that's what they'll be going after. Um, Curry's going to see so much attention over the course of the season that um, he could score 33 a night. He could average that if he wants to, but he's going to get so much attention. There's going to be open guys all over the court, his teammates, of course. And so um, I'll, I'll go. I'll take the, the 70 wins over the 33 average. Yeah, I think so you? too. That well, I mean, he's doing this all in 32 minutes per game oh right now, gosh. and like, is that going to stop? Like, I don't really think it's going to stop because like they're going to keep blowing the hell out of teams. Like, they just beat Memphis by 50 points, and you know, every now and then they're going to get a close game against the Clippers or against the Thunder or against the Rockets, Spurs, whatever. But you know, 70 to 75 percent of their games are probably going to be blowouts, and Steph Curry is not going to be playing in most of the fourth quarter. Like, that's what's ultimately going to mitigate his value. Like, I would, I almost wish that the Warriors weren't quite as good, just so he would have to play 38 minutes and. And then we would really see what would happen. Yeah, I wish the Warriors weren't so fun to watch. Yeah, well, I mean, not necessarily fun to watch. I just, like, I want to see him on the court more is what I'm saying. They're too deep for, like, for their own good. Yep, no, I totally agree. Uh, I, I wish he was playing 36 minutes a game because he could put up some awe-inspiring numbers for sure. All right, we got to go. Uh, you got to get on the air, do some 120 sports stuff. I got to start prepping for other things. So good discussion of the games. Wednesday night, we have quite a few games to keep an eye on. On Thursday, I think there's five or six games tonight. So once we get to the middle of the season, usually only two or three on Thursdays, but we got five games tonight. Thunder Bulls is the big early one on TNT. Bulls have been struggling of late. And uh, Grizzlies Blazers is the late TNT game. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on as well. But thanks for listening to the Rotowire basketball podcast. We are brought to you by DraftKings.com. They are the leader in daily fantasy sports. And again, be sure to use that promo code ROTOHOOPS and you can get a free contest entry today with your first deposit.